Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Last night, we had some we had some playoff games last night, made up for Monday night, which wasn't great, a couple of blowouts there. But this game, the two games last night, the Sixers, I'm going to say the Sixers held off the Hawks. I know they got off to a great start, but the Hawks kept battling back. Then you had a game last night that, uh, you know, most of the country, it's late, you don't get to see it, and nobody's really paying a lot of attention to the Utah Jazz, even though they have to keep reminding people they are the number one team, the number one seed in the West. The Mitch! The best team, and Donovan Mitchell just goes off for 45, 36 in the second half. Didn't matter who they had guarding him. He had himself a, a, a huge second half, and the Jazz uh, get the win mm-hmm. on Rudy Gobert making a defensive play, which is what he does. At the very end, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Alan Hahn in for Zubin. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. What are you guys whispering about? Well, I was I was looking at the highlight clips on, yeah. on ESPN News, and I was saying and beat at a huge night. I understand Joker got the MVP. Yep, but I'm not paying to see. I'm not paying for that. I'm paying to go see. Mm, you know Lee. that just looked different to me. With yeah, Lee it just looked different. it just looked different. So I'm like. Yeah, can you get me some tickets for that? <laughs> I'm not I just that, that matter. I think that matters. I'm with like, you. I do think that matters. Is what draws your eye to the screen. Just, uh, he's a hell of a passer. I get it. He's a good player. I'm not saying if I had to a pick or I needed to sign him if I was an executive, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that Joe M B just look it just looked nice. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Look Ruckers. Forty and ten looked good in the box yeah. score too. And that knee didn't look like he was having major problems there. Jay, uh, yesterday there was some <laughs> major problems. We have made not <laughs> major, major problems, but but social media drama, which is probably an oxymoron. <laughs> but <laughs> there's always drama. But on it social did media. it did it did involve you, yeah, and Kevin Durant, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you want to address that. Yeah. So a couple of things, real quick. Number one, I stand by my story. Number two, uh, I was probably wrong for sharing a personal story, but that's what we do. That's what we do here on our show, and it was meant as a compliment for Kevin Durant to show that there were levels to this and that he was actually right. There are different levels between KD and Giannis. I sat there yesterday. I'm not going to get into this whole spat back and forth on social media, tit for tat. I don't live my life that way. I rise rise above that. I don't attack people's character. Um, Reached out to his team, talked to Rich Kleiman about it. I got nothing but love. For KD, I want them to win a championship. You guys have known I'm from Jersey. I've always been a Nets fan. I love how it translates to Brooklyn. And that's the end of that for me. Like, I that's I said my piece. It's done. Uh, we're moving on to the next. Ken and I talk about sports the way we do. Yeah, yeah, we. But then you also, with the KD situation, you know the way I feel about KD. I think he's the coldest thing since sliced bread. Because so, he is, yeah. And that's on the same just, page with that. That's what it is. But then sometimes – in these situations, you get other people chiming in. And, and, you know, Stevie Jack, who was a friend of mine, also had stuff to say about the situation with you and KD, which I thought, I'm like, you know, Jack kind of, yeah, I get it, but he probably it had nothing so to do with him. It's obvious Jack don't rock with me. I don't care. I don't need to be liked by everybody. And Jack says certain things like, hey, we don't roll in the same circles. Well, I didn't roll in your circles, Jack. I'm cut differently than you are, Jack. And that's fine. You do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. But I know what rooms I roll in. I don't project it. I don't need to tell the world what rooms I roll in. If you want to rock out that way, if you want to do it for your show, then great. Congrats to you, Jack. Do your thing. I know Matt. 
Matt and I kick it. We talk here and there. Love what Matt and those guys do. But, like, don't try to attack my, my character. You don't know me, Jack. You don't spend any time with me or my family. You haven't called me. I reached out to you when all this stuff happened with George Floyd. You didn't reach back out to me. So you know what? Do you, Jack. Just keep me out of it. Don't insert yourself in a conversation between myself and somebody else to piggyback on that because that's what it seemed like. That's what gets me angry about it. And if you want want to have that, then we can have that. But you can keep yours over there, and I'm good over here. Look, the value that that both of you have to the show is your experience, right? Obviously, as athletes – in the forum that you know guys like me don't have right so that's what makes it unique and in those situations sometimes what the like who are you working for right now you're working for those listening watching that's what that's you're doing this for them like this is what they want they want to know things that you guys know your insight and sometimes also your personal experiences and that's what brings value to the show that's what matters and anybody that understands how this works would understand that's how it works what you said wasn't completely out of line at all. It was a personal experience story that told a, gave a great perspective after an amazing performance. It was a you know like it, it fit, it worked, and so you know yeah. we we move on from it just by saying you did nothing wrong. Like and just like not to go back to that, but like it, it's people that don't know me or don't know what circles I roll in that want to have comments on that. That's the kind of stuff that yesterday. It took well, that's all the effort in my soul to be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm cool. I helped my son. I was with my daughter. Yeah, you never even called me back. I didn't go up because my phone was blowing up all the time. I call, that's the first that. thing I said when I walked in. I said, my I, fault, Key. I called I him. Back. He ignored me. Mm-hmm. The hell with you. I, I didn't say that. Get out no, of here. No, I said that. <laughs> I, I called this dude to check on him. You know, just to – he don't even respond. I said, oh, the hell with you. You see how they play the music? The hell you with see you. see how Alan Yates plays the music? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I, the first thing I said, I hope they just <laughs> get in. Come on. Torture him on social media. <laughs> get him. Now. Go get him. Right. Keep with the Twitter. Mentions, but I also. Well, I'm like, I'm not even paying attention to but that. But I man. also understood that, you know, at that time in that situation, he don't want to hear me. Because you know I'm gonna crack a joke. <laughs> I got, Actually, that's what you need the most in that situation is somebody just to like bring some levity to it. But again, the social media part of it, Jay, as you know, I mean that just becomes the pile on. Everybody just wants to to see the drama and get involved in it and perpetuate it for their own entertainment. Get involved in the drama. Get involved in the get drama. Involved that's in all it really got is. nothing to do with you. you know, but just that's let cool. it go. Like I said. That was Tuesday. Today is Wednesday, Wednesday. Right, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. KD anyway. gonna go for forty tomorrow night, though. I can watch when I tell you. Long dude from all out there. Bam! But if I'm honest, if I'm honest, I might be like, oh, oh, I'm not at your level. Oh, but he can't. Well, come man. on, but here's come my next stop that man. If, if you're trying to use that to motivate yourself, that's a problem. Then you're in trouble. Me. Like you should have been motivated from the beginning. Yeah. Like the more that. and more, yeah. the more and more I watch that skinny dude, and I'm talking about KD. Mm-hmm. Man, I love him. Like I liked him at Golden State. Well, what did you say before about when you watch like Embiid? I'll pay to watch that. I'll pay to watch that. Pay, yes. Like Durant, I'm paying to watch KD. Like Kevin I, Durant is that guy like in the I, league that I you would liked, pay to watch. I liked KD at Golden State, and he was cool to me at OKC. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I saw him. I'm like, he ain't going to win nothing. Then he go to Golden State, and I'm like, he cool, but they won already. He cool. He's still doing his thing. He got the MVP. But watching him now, mm-hmm. oh, I love that. How much and can he, I get this the thing, for? Even if you're not on the court. You just watch the screen. You feel what that is. With you feel what that is with KD. Like, man, I text. I'll be different. texting Jay. Like, how he do that? <laughs> I'll be texting, like, in the middle of, you know, a game. I might text Jay while Jay working. 
it, 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 uh, a countdown. I just want to know. But how was he able to do that? Because it just don't look real. Like it just, you know, you have to understand a guy like that, the amount of work to have, that he has to put in Repetition. to execute mm-hmm. flawlessly at doing that stuff. It's crazy to me. Well, Which Joe is, Harris even said on the podcast, Joe Harris plays for the Brooklyn Nets R2-D2 um, with Ryan Rucco uh, the other day, literally said on a podcast, you can't build KD in NBA 2K. Like, you can't even build a player that simulates him right. on a video game because it's so uniquely different. Now, everybody that we brought on the show says one-on-one. It's just rarity. It, it's, it's different. Man, he's it's, seven you feet tall. What it he's is. seven feet tall and he's shooting like he's 6'4". So he already seven feet. And, and then when he – what's his wingspan take him up to like Five nine minutes. and a half or something crazy? Like it just don't – Doesn't it feel like when we talk about Milwaukee or when we hear Coach Bud speak mm-hmm. or when you hear Giannis speak, it feels like they're deflated. It feels like – I'm not saying that's what it actually what is. is. But no, but it's demoralized. It feels like it. Giannis is. having to say that, you know, I didn't get too high after sweeping the heat. I'm not going to get too low after this. Is like what else are you gonna say? Like he really well, didn't know actually, what I've seen him celebrating after they swept the heat. But I mean, a, well, that was a, that was a, that was a that seemed too, that seemed really high to it, me. It is again. It goes back to and just and I'll put a bow on it. Is why when you athletes at a certain level and you mentioned the work that it takes to get as good as that. Man. Why when oh he's so sensitive to criticism because the work you put in the last thing you want is some you know. Guy like me criticizing his game, we're like, hey, you have any idea what it takes to even get to this good? No, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I wasn't saying don't. it. I wasn't saying it no, towards no. you. No, you I'm did. just like, you look no. right at me. Well, because you, you said here it. in my sight line. But one thing you don't have to have in the NBA is like you know some you know like some substance you could put on your hand to make you a better shooter. But in, mm-hmm. in baseball, Look at that transition. you definitely do have that. And that's a discussion we have to have here in a minute. Keyshawn. Keyshawn oh, Jay, well, I did it every game. I do it every show. Keyshawn. That's why I'm not perfect. Keyshawn, damn it. K-A-Y, Sean. Yeah. Keyshawn. I'm not recovering from get this. Get your gonna, together. I'm going to get it on social media for that now. Well, well, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Home Quote Explorer. Changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, save both time and money, learn more at Progressive.com. Give me some two-pack. A memo is going to go out to teams later this week. And after that, Major League Baseball will officially order umpires to do checks of pitchers. And from what I understand, they're going to do random checks. I don't know quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Oh, Yes. It's always in these situations with whatever sport it is when there's a controversy where you learn different phrases and words and things you've never had before in your lexicon and then it becomes just something you use all the time. New word for everybody today or new phrase, spider tack. Now we'll all be talking about spider tack and let's do that with Buster Only who joins us right now on the, ES- on the uh, Goodyear hotline. He is our ESPN baseball insider, by the way. Buster, good morning. Spider tack. Tell us about it. It's one of the uh, substances that pitchers have used in recent years to take the conversation about foreign substances from just having a little tacky feel on your fingers so you can control the baseball to now actually weaponizing spin rate. In recent years, through the use of analytics, pitchers have focused on how can I get better spin rate? How can I be more efficient with my mechanics? And it's through these use of foreign substances that they become better 
And this year, the reason why that's important, offensive numbers are at a record low, and position players around the sport are effectively revolting, leading to this midseason change with checking pitchers for foreign substances. Yeah, and that's something you've been reporting about. So Garrett Cole, the Yankees' uh, ace pitcher, was asked if he's ever used spider tech. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. I found that to be an interesting way, Buster, to say yes. And I got to say that as I watched that, I I was cringing a little bit because I felt like, you know what, let's keep this whole conversation about foreign substance use by pitchers in its proper context. Everybody in baseball has known this has been going on. All the players have known, all the coaches, all the managers, everybody in central baseball, all the umpires have known it's been going on. But you know who's getting the question? The best players and the best pitchers in the sport, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer. There's so many parallels to what happened with steroids. Every year we have the conversation about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens Mm -hmm. as if they were the only guys using PEDs when, in fact, we know there were hundreds and thousands. It's the same thing with this issue. It was sport-wide. The question was absolutely fair. But remember, this has been going on throughout the sport for decades. Buster, why every single year or so – we always have these conversations about Major League Baseball and everything everybody knows, right? Whether it's the steroids, whether it's the the Astros potentially cheating and in Boston allegedly cheating, but we act like now we got the spider spin, spin spider, whatever the hell they call it. Spider tech. <laughs> Why all of a sudden now it's coming out to the surface? where these things seem like it happens and is a major problem with Major League Baseball acting like things don't happen. Well, the reason why it's coming to the surface is because folks in baseball can't stand the current product, uh, that there's not enough offense, there's not enough hitting, and the position players have been absolutely revolting behind the scenes to the point that a lot of the information that has been collected uh, by Central Baseball has been video sent in by position players saying, hey, look at the, what this guy was doing. Uh, look where he was hiding this substance in his glove. Uh, and, and in fact, as we move forward with this, there's actually a central bank of information that's going to be provided to the umpires to essentially scouting reports on where pitchers use this stuff. So when they do these random checks, they're going to know uh, where pitchers have been using this in the past. Uh, and I think part of the reason why key to get to the real heart of your question, why do we constantly have this in baseball? I think so many times, whether it was with the steroid issue or whether it was with sign stealing or whether it was with foreign substances, central baseball has been slow to act on a problem that everyone knew was percolating below the surface. Buster, you know, like you referenced it, and I know that's what Garrett, as we only played a bit of what he said there, but Garrett kind of referenced the fact that this is something that's been going on for generations. It's been passed down, these little tricks of the trade. And, you know, we did have the Michael Pineda thing where he made it just so obvious they had to do something about it. I mean, <laughs> you know, you just leave it right on the hat. Hey, everybody, I got some stub- substance on the hat. But they've always used that reasoning for having something on your fingertips 
to grip the ball. Oh, so I can control the pitch. So it's not going to hurt anybody. So I know where it's going. Otherwise, it could be really dangerous. That's kind of always been the unwritten rule. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it's become a big concern. Is it because that unwritten rule is being abused? Or is it because it's just gotten to that point, like you mentioned, that the offense now is no longer on level with the pitching? Right. Pitchers took it next level when it came to the use of foreign substances. And you're right. The reason why that gentleman's agreement has been in place with managers, don't check opposing pitchers, is because everyone knew that if you had a little sunscreen on your forearm or maybe a little pine tar, you get a tacky feel on the baseball, which are smooth coming out of the box. And I've had position players say, you know, five, six years ago say, look, I'd rather have the pitcher have a feel for the ball, reduces the chance that I actually get hit by pitch. But in recent years, what's happened is – through the use of uh, improved substances, if that's what we want to say, uh, more adhesive to the fingertips, pitchers have learned to throw the ball more effectively, to get more spin on their curveballs, on their sliders, to get more ride on their fastballs, to the degree that earlier this year I had a general manager say to me, look, it's like people are out there throwing 98-mile-an-hour wiffle balls. Mm -hmm. We're seeing pitchers we've never seen before, and that's where the backlash comes just like with the steroid era, change happened in 2000, 2001, because players who wanted to be clean went to the union leadership and said, look, we need drug testing. Now you have position players going to central baseball and say, look, it's an unfair advantage for pitchers, and there's money being taken out of my pocket because of that. The Twins faced the Yankees tonight, and, and Josh Donaldson is the one who brought this to Garrett Cole, you know, brought the attention to Garrett Cole. Do you believe that he'll get a little bit of the high and tight tonight? <laughs> I would be shocked. Uh, I, you know, I think Garrett is a professional. I actually, I, I think I once had a conversation with him about the whole idea of retaliation. I don't think he's really into that. Uh, but let's face it, this will be a situation where uh, how we feel about it will be viewed through the prism of the results. So if there is a fastball that's up and in, everybody's going to go, whoa, we know why that happened. Buster, Jacob DeGrom is having an incredible season. We've talked about this already with his, you know, sub one ERA. Uh, the way he pitches, though, those who don't know the game might think, oh, is that why he's having such a great season? Is that why he's having a historic season? Why or why not is he somebody we should be looking at? Uh, I, I Look, and, and all it is is a guess. I don't know what these guys are using specifically, but – I think the big number to look at with Jacob deGrom is velocity. It, we've never seen a pitcher add velocity through his career. Uh, and, and, you know, in talking with his pitching coach, uh, uh, he talks about how uh, Jacob has learned to uh, be more efficient with his delivery. He's a long, lanky guy, and year by year by year, he's learned more about how to throw harder. His average fastball now uh, is 99.3 miles per hour. We've never seen a starting pitcher at that level, sustain it at that level. A- and look, I-, I think there's also a lot to his greatness in his competitiveness. I talked to uh, Dom Smith, his teammate, a couple weeks ago and asked him how other players in the team viewed DeGrom. He said like a mythic figure, like a superhero. He said that you can look in his face in moments and say he's going to strike out the side. Guys, he struck out 45% of the hitters he's faced this year. <laughs> It is incredible. It really is. But, you know, this is another one of those things. Only in baseball it feels like that you have these types of things come up, whether it was the PEDs, whether it was the Astros and cheating and then became the Red Sox and maybe the Yankees and other teams using. This is the one sport, it seems, Buster, and you've covered it forever, 
that if there's a if there's a way to get over on the game, somebody will find it, exploit it, and then we'll have to catch them and then make a new rule, right? I mean, this is the one sport we see it in more than anything. Which is why, time and again, I've written, you know, I wrote about the science healing issue, I've written about this foreign substance issue for years, saying Major League Baseball needs to get ahead of this. And they failed to get ahead of it. And in that vacuum, we have this moment we're all going to be watching to see if umpires intercept pitchers as they come off the field. It was good news to have some no-hitters, but not too many no-hitters. And we'll see where that goes, certainly, after this crackdown happens. Buster, thanks so much for a few minutes. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. All right, right. Buster. We're only on the Goodyear hotline. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. It will be interesting to see, though, in the second half of the baseball season if suddenly – the offense starts kicking in, the home runs start mm-hmm. kicking in, and you don't see all these no-hitters that we were seeing in the first two months of the season. So why one NFL player is now focusing on the other football? That's next, KJZ, ESPN Radio, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Hey, it's Greeny, and the Sixers have evened up their series with Atlanta. One apiece now after Philly wins at home. Who has the advantage? We'll talk about that and more. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Two seconds. Blocked by Gobert. One second. He fires a two. The Jazz are going to win. The defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, blocks the shot in the corner. That was the call on 97.5 The Zone. Rudy Gobert gets the block in the final second, and that seals a 112-109 win for the Jazz over the Clippers in Game 1. Donovan Mitchell, third career 45-point playoff game. He had 36 in the second half, but that three career 45 playoff games, third most in a player's first 30 career games in NBA playoff history. How about Joel Embiid? He went for a career high in the playoffs of 40 points. 
as the Sixers tied their series with the Hawks at one game apiece and beat the first Sixers player with a 40-point game in the playoffs since Allen Iverson had 45 in 2003. Embiid finished second in MVP voting. Nikola Jokic won it after his great season with the Denver Nuggets. Fourth center since 1984 to win MVP, but the first in Shaquille O'Neal in 2000. Sports Center brought to you by Goodyear. There are scratches, there are dents, and unexpected natural events. If life throws you uh-ohs, just say, better get Mako and head to Mako.com to get an online estimate today. This is Ingram, left side. Can he turn the corner? Stiff arms attack. We're 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Mark Ingram. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in B-more outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo, woo. Or the best quotes in the game. Woo, woo. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. That is Mark Ingram. Joins us right now. Houston Texans running back, but not just a player. Oh, no. Moved into ownership with D.C. United. And so he joins okay, us right Mark. now on the Goodyear Hotline. And so, Mark, let's begin there. The, was there interest up, in guys? soccer? What's up, guys? What's, What's up, happening? Bro? Congrats, Good man. So, so just explain man, how you got you, involved. Brother. How you got involved with DC United yeah. as ownership now? Man, um, it was just a relationship that developed over you know some years. Uh, I met um, Jason in 2019. He had came to um, you know I had some we had some mutual friends that were trying to connect us. So I invited him to come to my um, my uh, Christmas giveaway. You know where I have the kids. I do a Christmas giveaway. Uh, afterward, we had dinner. And, uh, you know, I was in 2019. And so, you know, we just stayed in touch and created a, a relationship over, you know, about two years' time. And um, earlier this year, he had a opportunity for me. So um, uh, I had my best friend who was an attorney uh, look at look at the deal for me. They went back and forth for a while, um, you know, over the details and the nuances of the, of the deal of the contract. And um, it was able to work out. So, um, you know, a, a relationship, a dinner, um, created this opportunity for me. And uh, I'm just blessed. I'm thankful. And I'm appreciative that they uh, considered me to be a partner. So I'm excited to step into the ownership field. I'm excited to step into the entrepreneurship field, and um, you know, uh, put my put my uh, motivation and dedication to that. What's up, big baby? What's up, my guy? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How long How long have you been a soccer fan? Because I never known you to be one. So tell me, you're a big soccer man. fan for how long? Man, I played when I was really young, you know what I mean? So, I, I, you know, elementary, growing up, you know, I played. But then, you know, kind of in college, I started playing FIFA, you know, on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. That kind of like, you know, made me gain more of an appetite for it. But um, what, what really happened was in 2014, I went to the World Cup in Brazil. And uh, I followed uh, the American team for a couple games. I watched them play Portugal. Um, I watched, like, Switzerland play somebody. I went to a watch party for the Brazilian team. And then uh, after uh, USA tied 1-1 with Portugal, they played Germany and Recife, Brazil. So then I flew to Recife, and um, uh, I was able to watch uh, them play Germany. And uh, so that really, you know, started my appetite for, for soccer, for uh, football, wow. what they call international. You know what I mean? So um, then I had went when we went to the London game, I had went to an Arsenal game uh, out there in, in England. Uh, I had been to a, U, a U.S. women's national team when uh, they came to New Orleans uh, in the Superdome. They played a, a U.S. women's national match there. And um, so I've also been fortunate enough to go to a few D.C. United games this year. So 
Um, just over the years, my, my growth and my love for the game has grown, and, um, you know, it's exciting. So uh, I'm proud to be able to be associated with something that I could be proud of, something that I'm passionate about. And, Mark, you've seen – Big-time college football in the U.S. You've played at the highest level, obviously, in college football. You see it in the NFL. You, you see what that's about, the crowds, the the stadiums, the way they're filled. So the experience that you had seeing soccer on the international level, as you mentioned, Arsenal, the different places you went, even overseas, like, did that, like how does that compare? Because a lot of people around the world say soccer is the biggest sport in the world and you just have to experience it firsthand to get it. What is that experience like compared to what you obviously being on the field in the NFL like? I mean, the experience was magnificent. Obviously playing, you know, at, at, in the SEC at Alabama and then, you know, playing in the best atmospheres in the NFL, um, you're kind of biased. Like, there's nothing close to it, right? And then you go over here to, you know, a World Cup game or uh, to an Arsenal game and you see the passion, the energy, that, and the love these, these, these fans have for the game of soccer. Uh, it, it, it's incredible. And um, just the opportunity I had to be able to see that, witness that firsthand um, was very impressive. And um, <laughs> the chants, you know, the the the, 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 uh, the fans clubs, you know, beating drums and, 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 and doing that all game long, standing up all game long. Um, it, it's magnificent, man. The whole stadium's packed out and, and, and the energy in the stadium is electric. So, uh Man, just be uh, be able to experience that on the international stage, it, it was impressive, man. I can say that, <laughs> you know, they definitely given the NFL <laughs> a run for their money, you know, with the energy and, and, the, and the electricity that's that's going through the stadium and the religion and the culture and just everything. They pay attention to it like, like it's, you know, like it's their own, you know what I mean? So just like they do here, you know, with football, but, um, you know, it's huge. It's huge. You know, soccer is the world sport, so. Uh, to be able to experience it on an international level was a blessing and truly a great experience, and I'm looking forward to, you know, experiencing it more. It's funny, Mark. You know, when we say football here in the States, you get what everybody's talking about, but whenever you go outside the States, football means soccer. That's mm-hmm. what football means. Yes, sir. Uh, speaking of crowds and stadiums, you're going to a new team, man. You're with the Texans. How's that transition been going? Man, it's been good. Um, uh, you know, I've been there. I, I went down there for a week practice with the team, uh, you know, met my teammates, you know, um, you know, we're just trying to right the ship, you know, trying to get everything going in the right direction. We have signed some players who, you know, have played around the league, have played some good football over the years. So, um, you know, we're all just working, man. We're all trying to right the ship, all trying to, you know, put the organization in the right direction. So um, we're working hard to do that, and um, that's what we'll be striving for this year. Mark Ingram, Houston Texans, running back, three-time pro bowler and new owner of the D.C. United, uh, minority owner that is. Mark, you – you know, we talked about the Houston Texans just now and the transition and all the sort of things, but it's been obviously a lot of controversy swirling around Deshaun uh, and everything that he's going to be dealing with this year as well as in the next year. What are the conversations like at the quarterback position, though? Um, what's what? What are you guys feeling good about, and what you're not feeling good about? I think the main thing is. Um, we have to roll with the guys who are there, you know, right now in the facility and, um, you know, just try to prepare, you know what I mean? And obviously, you know, I love personally, I'm a huge fan of Deshaun. I want the best for Deshaun. I hope that, you know, he, he gets past this and that, uh, you know, he could just continue, you know, his, his great career that he has started. Um, but I think the main thing is we have to focus on, 
you know, who's in a facility with us, who's grinding with us, and who plans to be with us this year. So um, hopefully Deshaun is with us. Um, you know, he has to make his decisions. The team has to make their decisions. Obviously, I love to play with Deshaun. I think everybody would. Um, but I think the main thing is just keeping our focus, you know, keeping our eyes straight ahead, keeping our focus on each other, keeping our focus and um, our energy, uh, who, who's going to be there, who wants to be there, and, you know, work with that. So um, hoping the best for Deshaun. I'd love to play with Deshaun. You know, he's an amazing quarterback, one of the best young talents in the league. So obviously hope that, you know, he overcomes everything. He can continue his, you know, his, his electric career that he's been having so far. You you were with Coach Cully, David Cully, in Baltimore um, in the past. What what are your first impressions so far with him as a head coach? Man, um, he's really been consistent um, to the man that I knew when I was in Baltimore for two years. Um, he's just a guy who uh, cares about the players. He's a guy who can rela- he's relatable to the players, and he's a guy who wants to put players in the best position to have success. So. Um, that's what the that's the feeling that I've been getting from him. That's the energy I've been getting from him, and that's consistent with what he has done. You know, over the past two years when I've been in Baltimore, when he, um, you know, confronted the offense, or when he was speaking to the receivers, or when he was encouraging me individually, um, as he had did so many times when I was in Baltimore, um, I'm getting the same feel, the same vibe, the same energy. I think that's going to be contagious throughout our team. So speaking of coaches, you know very well. You see, Nick Saban got another contract extension. He'll be coaching there until like twenty fifty. Roll time, baby. Right. Come on, man. So yeah. when you think yeah. about how much more time he's going to be there, how many more national champion championships do you think he can win with Alabama? Woo, man. We hoping that I think they extended him through twenty twenty eight. So what is twenty one? So we hoping to at least get another four to five more. You know what I mean? Out of that. Just based off his, you know, since 29 to 2020, we got five. So, yeah, we'll take about another four or five in that time. Hell, yeah. <laughs> we coming back, y'all. It ain't going to be that easy. We That's... getting our stuff together out west. Hey, I hear you. I hear you. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. Don't mean it's going to be good. He'll be, I, I believe it's, he'll be 78 at the end of this current extension. Do, do you fine. see him? Like, he just doesn't seem like he ever slows down. Does he have that same energy that you remember when you played for him? Yeah, I mean, he's probably a little bit more calm on the guys. He's a little bit more lenient and forgiving on the guys as opposed to when I was there. But – he still has that passion. He still has that drive. He still has the determination. He still knows how to develop players. He still knows how to create a culture, a winning culture, a winning attitude, a winning attitude, and a winning atmosphere around his players. Mark. So um, that's what drives him. That's what motivates mm-hmm. him is to be the best, do stuff that nobody has ever done before. And uh, I think he's still hungry to do that because you know after he wins the championship, he's focused on the next year. Like it's not like he. Woke up the next day thinking about, dang, we the champions. Like, this was amazing. No, he's thinking about, like, okay, what do I need to do to get to his next one? So um, his his mindset to never be complacent, to never be satisfied, I think that's what makes him special. I think that's what makes him great. Mark. And, um, you know, I hope he keeps going. You know what I mean? I told him that they just need to give him a lifetime extension. You yeah, know, whatever well. he's done, you know, he, he, he'll call it. But they just need to give him a lifetime extension. Mark, was there, <laughs> was there a moment that you knew when you were with him that, like, all right, this this dude's different. Like, this is just different than what I've ever seen before. And if so, what was that moment? Man, I think it just kind of started when uh, I was getting recruited there. And, um, you know, you kind of go through the recruiting process, and all these teams want to, like, promise you this, promise you that. 
tell you, like, if you come here, everybody understands what you're going to do. If you come here, you're going to start, you're going to play. And Coach Saban really didn't give me any of that when he came in there and sat in my living room. He was like, listen, you have the opportunity to come here and be a great player for me. I've seen the tape. I've seen the film. I know you have the ability. And you have the opportunity to come here and be a great player. I know you can do it. He was like, but if you're not, he was like, that's on you. That's your own fault. <laughs> so I took that as a challenge. You know what I mean? He, I took that as a challenge. And as a man, all you can ask for is an opportunity. You can't nobody promise you nothing. They could give you an opportunity and you could try to capitalize on it. But that really set him apart for me. When I was 18 years old, he sat there in my living room and told me this, you know what I mean, to my mother and my grandfather. And um, he sat there and told us that. And, uh, you know, I took it as a challenge, man. I, and, and no other coach approached me like that. Nobody other coach pitched uh, his recruiting or his, his scholarship offer like that. So right off the bat, when I was getting recruited, I knew there was something different about this guy. Yeah, it's definitely special. You could be part of something great. If you want it, it's yours to have. All right, Mark, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you. Good luck uh, with the future yes, uh, with uh, the Texans, but also with DC United. Yeah. Jersey, stand up, Mark. Let's go, baby. That's right. Hey, appreciate you guys. Let's go. All right. I see. Vamos United. <laughs> Mark Ingram on the Goodyear Hotline. KJZ presented by Progressive Insurance. So one quarterback led his team to the playoffs last year for the first time in more than 15 years. So why is our GM saying – you can't overpay this guy. That's next, KJZ, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Who is your favorite to win the AFC North after what transpired in the NFL draft? Yeah, speaking of balance, the Cleveland Browns. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it is. Baker, uh, he has to be better. Brought to you by Skechers. Skechers, comfort included. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Who's your favorite to win the AFC North after what transpired in the NFL draft? Yeah, speaking of balance, the Cleveland Browns. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it is. Baker got better as the season wore on, but I think the same for every single one of our players. Baker, he has to be better. The, the idea of improvement for just Baker is, is not true. We need everybody to continue to take a step. So in Cleveland right now, you would think you have, for the first time in a very long time, if you're a Browns fan, guys, like you it's have time. to feel content with what you have. Are you, are you content or are you excited about your opportunity to win a Super Bowl? But what I mean, though, is it used to be a lot of consternation about quarterback and this guy. And are, are we like, are, can we win? Can we? This is like, okay, we got a squad. Pieces and now it's place. how good can we be 
which that's not something that's not a conversation a Browns fan has had in a very long time. You right? mean Brady Quinn didn't do it for him? I don't think it did. <laughs> no, or, or the, the twenty six after him, right? <laughs> Brian Hoyer, Dilfer. By the way, just pointing out Market Madness that we have our last Elite Eight matchup of Market Madness, and we have the poll up right now on at key jnz what's baker doing baker mayfield this is the orange crush regional final so it's baker mayfield versus jacob de teams that wear orange okay uh-huh. got it orange crush de way ahead by how much 57.5 percent wow strong total votes we're at 1500 ready that's okay. very high all right. all right considering that there's still 20 something hours left 21 hours left in the voting what is, Jacob Degrom, very very popular. New Yorkers apparently. up. Apparently, when Chris Kenny's right. Again? Yeah. <laughs> when does a, Jacob pitch again? Well, when does when does Baker throw again? Oh, forty forty one days until one days. Degrom Jacob pitches. Okay, so oh well, it'll be closed by then. Because I was going to say, if he loses, then all of a sudden, you know. But still, like like when it comes to Baker, though, they have finally have they settled in on their quarterback. Do we do we believe so? I well, do because you know eventually that you know again he's in that class where fifth, fifth year option okay now you got to give him an extension. This is are they settled on a quarterback? Yes, I would. They think picked so. up his fifth yes. year option. Yeah, which means they're settled in pretty much on a quarterback. I, the system that they run and what they want to do, he fits perfect for. Um, you know, you think about how he grasped the offense to the beginning of the year to the middle, to the end of the year, at his best he got better. Yeah. And I think it, for him, he continues to build on that this offseason and into the regular season. And they, he basically writes his own ticket at that point. Um, getting back to the playoffs will be huge for him. Of course. Anything taking a step Actually, back. Actually, not making the playoffs would be a yes. bigger deal than it, making any, the playoffs, Anything right? taking a step back. Even if they made the playoffs and didn't go to the AFC Championship game. or That's fine. That'll be fine. fine. Okay. The, the question isn't whether he's going to be the quarterback. The question is how much will they pay him to be the quarterback? Whatever that, the market is. And, and But that's what this well, year that's, that's what this <laughs> that's what year get. allows him to do. Mm-hmm. Right to inflate his value this so, year, so He's that's really take it next level this year. So with that in mind, Mike Tannenbaum, we had him on earlier on the show. Our ESPN NFL front office insider, of course, he points that out about how important this season is for Baker Mayfield. Oh, I think it's really important, Key, because I just don't know if he's a frontline guy that you're going to want to pay thirty-five, thirty-eight million dollars a year to. I think that's a really good offense. They got maybe the best running back duo in the league. They got really good skill players, and if you're Cleveland, and do you feel like you could get, you know, comparable sort of production out of say someone like Kirk Cousins, someone that Kevin Stefanski is familiar with, and now you have fifteen, twenty million dollars more to give to some of the other talented players on the team? So I think this is a hugely consequential year for Baker Mayfield. That was no, I'm not going to Kirk Cousins. There. Wow, I'm not no. going to Kirk Cousins. That's an alternative. No, no, and then no. <laughs> Absolutely no. Baker Mayfield's the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. He's going to get what the market allows him to get, which is top paid dollar. He's getting what everybody else is getting within reason that came out of his class, whether it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and whoever else signs an extension at the position. That's what he's going to get. Right. You, you, I think you, what he's saying is, look, he's not, value wise, does, it, does, it, does the value not, equal the production? I drafted him number one overall. Mm hmm. As an organization, not this regime, but the organization. Right. I developed him, and he's ready to go. Why would I let him walk out of the building? 
Makes no sense at all. I draft a guy, the but it doesn't, it doesn't. He's the starting quarterback. quarterback. It doesn't mean that he's going to get paid the same as Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. Oh, but no. Still, oh, yes, he oh, will. Oh, no. He's getting paid yeah. the same. Yeah, that's See, the hard I, part. I, I just You're not I, taking I don't that put him on the same level as Josh Allen. I, I, I don't. Sorry, so that's what, what Mike what, what, what has Josh Allen done that Baker Mayfield hasn't done? Well, because they're predominantly a run game, and I think Josh Allen, between the way he runs and the way he passes, I think he's the offense is a lot more around Josh Allen because he but carries a lot more of the load. I, I, I understand what you think, though, Jay, but from a philosophy standpoint, Baker Mayfield fits perfectly understand. in a Cleveland situation. And when you look at the numbers – and you look at the second half of last year, Josh Allen didn't do nothing. Well, that's why I said the second No ha- different. Josh Allen finished second in the MVP yeah, voting. That so here's I'm what I'm saying. I'm not you based on being second in the MVP I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I get it. But he needs to sustain the way he was the yes. second half of the year. Absolutely. I need to, if, if Baker Mayfield can get Josh Allen money if he plays consistently this whole next year the way he played the second half of last year. Well, yeah. he, played good. he played good the first half, except yeah, it, the it, second half just looked cleaner. Elevated. Yeah. It looked cleaner because he was more – He was fluent. He first was fluent half, and he had more command of what the offense well, wanted. First half, it seemed I mean. serviceable. It seemed serviceable the first yeah, half. Yeah, it, it wasn't was getting, elevated. Well, the, the, the running game really half. was allowing them to get by. But, yeah, he became fluent in the offense, which means he could, he could speak it comfortably. And, that's of course, that takes time. That takes reps. But I think what, what Tannenbaum's trying to say is, is that is that the right value for the player with that kind of money when you need to use that elsewhere. Who are you going to get? I always Who say you the same thing. Perfectly Once you get a quarterback, you it's keep not the quarterback. Kirk Cousins. And he fits. I agree with Key. He fits what you do. Your fans love him. I mean, they do love him. He ain't going nowhere. So why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You pay him. And if even if it's an astronomical number, because that's where quarterbacks are right now. I can play that's with what it. it is. I can play with it and, and, and mess around with it and Over get the, the numbers years, right? to where I need him to be comfortable. His average can be mm-hmm. the same as everybody else's. Maybe the money isn't as guaranteed as everybody else's, mm. a dollar plus below or a dollar plus ahead. Right. See, that's, that's what's so crazy about football, how you can manipulate the numbers, whereas in basketball you can't do that. Yeah, no, you can't. Now, remember, we didn't have a preseason in the NFL last year. Right? Really? But who does it matter to the most this season in the NFL? We'll discuss that next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.